This week on Cinematic Pig Seat, Alita, Queen of Mars. Hello everyone, and after a long absence, I am John Robinson, along with my ever-faithful and seriously better-prepared co-host, Catelyn Justice. Hello, Catelyn. <laughs> Hello. So, you were telling me that you've actually consulted an expert on Russia about our movie, Alita, Queen of Mars, a Russian I, <laughs> I did indeed, yes. Yes, my uh, Russian history specialist who was profoundly confused by how he described the plot to the movie, and his instructions to me were, if I were you, I would keep it vague, because this doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told to keep it vague. Um, yeah, Russia's very, very first uh, sci-fi pro-revolutionary film, which is actually, weirdly, not science fiction or pro-revolutionary. Yeah. <sighs> God, I hate <laughs> it was it was bound to happen. Someone was bound to try it, and it was pretty much bound to be Russia. But man, what? You know, keeping it vague so that I don't make it arson myself. <laughs> Which my my specialist was far too kind to say, but we all know that's what he meant. <laughs> Russia sounded unpleasant approximately 1917 to 1920. Unpleasant indeed. Well, let's... And then unpleasant after 1920. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's be completely honest. This is Russia we're talking about. Since about, oh, I don't know, 400 AD, for 99% of the population, it has been unpleasant until maybe the turn of the 21st century. It has never been a particularly pleasant place for most people, and it didn't get any more pleasant after 1917. That's definitely true. Um, and this movie didn't... Uh, didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Okay, so this movie is... What? I don't know, I guess it's two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, no, it's one hour, 51 minutes. Oh, is that all? Yep. Well, okay. <laughs> no, it's more like two hours Yeah. Whimsical Gollum. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, oh man. And then a woman got murdered, and that was just that was brilliant, freaking silent film acting. It was amazing. And a couple other people die. I enjoyed every death scene. Um, because <laughs> you know it's a Russian story, so you know people are gonna die. There's no such thing as a Russian film where people get to live. Are you kidding? I did Death. enjoy. <laughs> The, uh, the visual aesthetics this was Me i like their mars was a good mars and it it gave us 
uh, Flash Gordon and gave us Metropolis because this was the the flashpoint for that idea of what the future or what alien civilizations look like. It's uh, constructivism is the art style that was used to uh, make Mars, and I really appreciated that. Oh, it was lovely and surprising because I I don't know why because but it <laughs> it looked so cool and modern for well I don't know about modern 1922 it looked like it looked like the clothes were way better than the clothes the outfits from Star Trek and it was like damn Russia nice <laughs> you know yes oh my gosh so I have eight pages of notes God. trying to keep track of who was who for one thing um what the hell was going on because they kept doing these quick shifts so like you know, so-and-so would be talking to his professor, and then we'd cut for no reason to mm. this guy and this girl having a thing, and then we'd cut for no reason to the soldier and a nurse, and it's like, what the hell? And then, oh, we're back to the professor. And so the stories are going on simultaneously. You know that because there's a million freaking cuts going on, not to mention Mars. Right. And all of them are having, like, the quintessential Russian... um intrigue tedium that's what it is tedious intrigue throughout the whole film that (laughs) sounds about right and amidst that there's like economic unrest social unrest um murder guises what's that bourgeois reactionarianism yes All, all the bad guys are bourgeois reactionaries who miss the good old days yeah, but the <laughs> Russia's good old days. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's where we are. Um, my gosh, should we take them through it? I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's this yeah. hour. This movie is an hour and fifty-one minutes long, and as you said, it felt at least two and a half hours long. But if you get down to the synopsis, you could have told this movie in a half an episode of Outer Limits. It just didn't need to be this long at all in the least. Okay, so there's this weird signal that everybody in the world picks up um, on the radio or the uh, Morse code or telegraph or whatever. Uh, Yes. Uh, So we see the Japanese uh, trying to figure it out. We see the um, British contemptuously not trying to figure it out. And we see see the Arabs just crumple it up and throw it away (laughs) because it's easier. No, no, no. That that wasn't the Arab. That was the British. Uh, That was the British? Yeah. It was a a camel in there somewhere. Oh, no, it was. There was a Middle Eastern guy doing uh, the actual getting the message, but the guy he handed it to, that was a British guy. Uh, this was back when the British owned that part of the world. Okay. So they were making a little point about empire and the foolish imperials. Mm. Uh, and then the Russians got it. And uh, Loss, whose name I believe means elk. Is that what I read somewhere? Loss means elk in Russian. Oh, I'll go with that. I just find it interesting that the two silent movies we've come across, they both have these weird animal motifs for names. We had, uh, what, chicken, oh. fox, and the Valerie and Weaker Wonders. Now we have elk in this one. Yeah, man. <laughs> I wonder what gall means. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> anyway. 
Okay, so we've got Loss and his lovely wife, who works at a refugee center of some sort, uh, and his uh, his superior or co-worker who looks a bit like Trotsky, and they're trying to figure out what the message means, uh, and Loss becomes obsessed with it. He keeps dreaming. Well, he we don't see that's the thing. He likes he likes the idea of going to Mars. He's He's obsessed with that idea. And then we cut to Alita, who is the queen of Mars, uh, and Thogog and Gore, who's this scientist type who's invented a telescope so that we can, so the Martians can see other planets. Um, just for her own whimsy, evidently, uh, Alita decides, I've got to see another planet. So she looks through the telescope and sees all these scenes of basically a travel log of Earth. I do love they didn't make any pretense of trying to show uh the telescope with a telescopic view of earth you never see like a top-down view it's always no. a view that just coincidentally would have been the same view as if you had a, a movie camera faced on a yeah. scene actor <laughs> weird how that works yes uh and she likes what she sees because she sees loss and then uh and who introduces her to the to to the concept of the kiss Yes, they didn't. They don't have kissing on Mars. Is that a meme where like Earthicans get to show horny aliens what love is? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, that that is that is uh, that is pretty try and true. I mean, Star oh. Trek definitely had quite a bit of that. I'm pretty sure Flashpoint oh. as well. So yeah, that's definitely <laughs> a thing. Show me this strange Earth custom called kissing. Is definitely yes. appeared in more than one old science fiction film. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and you meet uh, Gusev and Masha. Gusev mm. is a soldier in some kind of like soldier hospital. Masha is the um, the plain kind nurse who mm. is strong like a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> she seems probably sweet. I cared about her in the movie. It's like, oh, honey, don't be an idiot. Um. <laughs> So she's like hopelessly in love with this handsome guy that shakes everybody's hand all the time. Mm-hmm. And we meet Ehrlich, Victor Ehrlich and Alina. Whose name the... means honest in German. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that is, well, he is not. Well, he is not. But that it's in German. That's why it's ironic and all that. <laughs> so uh, Victor and Elena are these like overworked household sardines looking for a room and there's some like mistaken identities with a flirty letter but the point is they're like hustlers mm-hmm. they're hustlers they're like the downtrodden survivors that are going to uh, screw people over right. whether they have to flirt or steal um they never really get what's coming to them ever well Ehrlich does at the end doesn't he does he how he gets accused of murder yeah, but he didn't do that one. No, but still being accused of murder. Oh, okay. He is unjustly given what's come to him. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, the guy Spectacles, what the hell was his name? Severidov or something along those lines? Let me see. I think I have it right here. Uh, Severidov, was that him? Let's... Anyway, um, him and Alina have a Everybody has a freaking past with everybody else, <laughs> whether or not they've just met or not. It doesn't matter. There's pasts. Um, 
yeah something about blah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so there's like free-floating intrigue over the peasants in russia um and there's like this thing about everybody's rations are being eaten by everybody else and fond memories of the past, all of that. Oh, we had wine back then. We had nice clothes and good manners. We had servants we could punch. Yep, servants. We could, that was that was funny. That was um that was uh point zero six of the twenty minutes of the film I enjoyed. <laughs> and um, so that that's when Alita sees Lost again, and they're like pining after each other, whether they know it or not. And people get evicted and stuff, which brings Loss and Spiridov together, where they talk about where they talk about going to Mars. Like, wouldn't that be so cool? Well, I have plans for a spaceship to Mars. Really? Well, that's fascinating. Let's let let's fantasize about this. So they do. <laughs> and um, meanwhile, Loss is um, being overworked as an engineer, doing what I don't really no building a spaceship i guess rebuilding russia was how it said in the in the titles well yeah that, that's and this is a theme that becomes more prevalent um towards the, end of the movie the whole spaceship thing is his own deal he's never doing this yeah. officially he's never like part of the soviet space program this is no. uh there it's an indulgence on his part according to the movie which leaves his wife totally neglected mm. So Victor Ehrlich sees a chance to get in good with a rich lady, and so he flirts and takes her to a dance, and they embrace just when Lost sees it. So he says, oh wait, I am skipping ahead like I don't think that really here. matters Dang that much. <laughs> Bullshit happens, and then Lost sees his wife with Ehrlich. Twice, that happens twice, but the first time he's like, well screw this, I'm going to Mars. Meanwhile, on the other side of the the what's the what's the expression? On, on the other side of the farm. Of the side, yeah. Yes. The vast um, inky black pond of the void known as outer space. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, there's let's see, it looks like Elita is more like a puppet figurehead than actually having any power. Mm-hmm. Huskeb, the bad guy is the ruler and Alita of the unibrow is just as oppressed <laughs> as the shirtless men in chains who are the slaves. Yes. You don't get to see the alien robots until the last 20 minutes of the film. I was upset with that. It was like, damn, there were robots up there. No, you do. You, you, you get to see them. Really? Yeah. I, her maid was flirting with them when she, uh, when the uh, <laughs> snuck into the, uh, into the telescope. I don't think they were robots. Oh, okay, I mean, yeah, they were just, like, guards? They were robotic, they were and they they were covered in armor that made them look robotic, but I got the sense that, A, I got the sense that these filmmakers didn't really care all that much. It's not like they said, we've got to make these robots at least semi-authentic and realistic and plausible. No, they do not care about such things. Uh, <laughs> I think they were either very robotic people or very people-like robots, something along those lines. Either way, flirting probably didn't yes. work. <laughs> anyway, back on the... Counter. Maybe we're just going, when can we kill the carbon-based life form? <laughs> yeah, it being a silent film, you missed out on all the nuances. Yes. They packed as much nuance in here as possible, though. I must say, for a silent film, it was freaking nuancy. <laughs> That's why I got so many notes. Really, it was like, you know, for a silent film, they had so many, like, 
Lost looks over at the table and he sees like a teacup and a coffee pot or a, and a coffee cup, which means you know, and there's like close up of a little smile on his face. And so I like write my notes like apparently that means something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> anyway. is true. Yes, they did do uh, a couple of clever things about what the camera sees and what that means and stuff like that. But one yeah. thing that just drove me mad is this is the ultimate violation just about of the show don't tell rule oh <laughs> I mean, they they, they introduce the workers and then they have the narrator of it they go uh when martian workers aren't needed they're put in the cold storage like they couldn't demonstrate that in the movie you got two hours you couldn't spend 30 seconds developing that in story you have to let the narrator do it you have to let the narrator introduce everybody without actually letting them act out what they are that kind of annoyed me Actually, I was, like, infinitely grateful for that because I'm not sure I would have gotten there if the narrator hadn't told me exactly what the hell was going on. <laughs> because even even with that, it's, I got, like, for me, question mark, question mark, question mark is when I, like, think something, but, like, lost stabs are in the back so that he might rule alone? I don't know. <laughs> Something. But yeah, even with that, I was pretty lost a lot of the time. Meanwhile, there's a cop who's trying to prove himself. <laughs> with, like, solving a murder on his own. The problem is he's an absolute idiot. Yep. And he's got no teeth. And he's, like, the comic relief of... But he does have those that... sweet hipster sunglasses that he's wearing. <laughs> yes. The, oh my gosh, the, the lemon glasses. Oh man. So all these people's lives intersect in many ways. <laughs> um let's see. Um yeah, let's pick it up with Loss is going to go oh no, we can't. Okay, so Loss comes home from a government like assignment mm -hmm. with flowers. And he's going to say hi to his wife, despite the fact that they haven't really been talking for several months, because he saw her, he saw her shadow embrace the shadow of another man. Mm -hmm. And he comes just in time to see her hug and kiss Victor, who's trying to milk her for money so that they can steal jewels or something. And, um, and so he pulls out a gun in like, the other my favorite scene of the whole movie and he shoots her like four times <laughs> while they wildly gesticulate and and like brandish weapons and <laughs> fire in his eyes with all the black makeup that you see in black and white films right mm -hmm. how did you feel about him killing her what do you mean how do i feel about her killing her i don't think that was a smart idea it was a particularly Oh, I don't know. Moral decision upon his. I mean, that's right. I was surprised. He didn't seem. He seemed like a gigantic wussy up until that point. It's the wusses you have to watch out for. They're the ones who that hidden uh, depth of frustration and rage is going bumble it bubbling forth whenever the the story calls for it. Shall we say? <laughs> so now he is a murderer, and he he decided okay. Things have just accelerated. I'm going to build that damn spaceship. So he, he like, dresses up as Spiridov, if I'm saying that right. I am not. <laughs> and he, so he puts on the wig and the, the, the beard and the, like, silly glasses. And 
go, goes into Spiridov's apartment where they happen to be having the funeral of the woman that he himself killed. And he breaks into the wall and he gets the plans for the spaceship and he freaking builds it. Meanwhile, the this was so funny. The soldier had a just a spur, like a romantic spur of the moment marriage to the nurse Masha. Mm -hmm. And he is feeling really sad because there he is a soldier with no war to fight because World War One is over. And this was this was kind of why I called my um my expert in russian history and it was confirmed that that was not really a sentiment that a soldier at this time would have had i'm keeping things vague in the sincere hopes that i do not make him ass of myself because this kind of this part of history um i'm pretty unfamiliar with i know about the bolsheviks and the revolutions and this is going on right now i know that the famine is going around well, this is also, this is post-Civil War. Well, it's post-World War One. Right, but right after World War One is the Civil War. Post-Civil War. And so at this point, it seems like a soldier would, like that sentiment of not having anything to fight, being sad, that doesn't sound right, because he would be much, much, much more focused on not starving to death, um... And not dying, because at this point, there's, like, tons of, it sounds like, renegade cavalries running around trying to fight for whatever faction of discontentedness, hoping that their side wins, you know? So, there, that was not a thing. So, he's in a gigantic priest's chair, lamenting peace, or whatever the, the closest that peace have had in his lifetime. Right. Well, okay, here we go. Here we go. I actually looked please, it up. Please, okay. Please, please. The Russian Civil War was from 1917 to 1922. Mm -hmm. That's when those renegade cavalry um, groups you're talking about, that's when they were running around. Mm -hmm. um, what we are in is the Soviet New Economic Plan. That's uh, where this story is supposed to take place. That's why there's um, all those committees and everything and why people like Ehrlich are allowed to run around in the streets because this was at the time when Lenin was dropping the strict communism at the very beginning of the revolution and letting in a bit more trade. Uh, and let's see, when did this start? This started in... Let's see... Da, 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 da. Okay, the famine was from 1921, 1922. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. An economic disturbance from World War I and the Russian Revolution mm -hmm. and rail systems being totally and completely inefficient to um, spread the food around and a drought. That, that'll, that'll do it. Uh, well, so in 1921 is when uh, the new economic policy started, which is one of the reasons why the movie makes kind of a big deal about the trains, why people are always using the trains and going, well, I'm going to the west on the train, I'm going to the east on the train, because that mm -hmm. was part of it, getting the trains running again. Um, so all of this is in the midst of emergency recovery. That's the backdrop of the story. Okay. And it it's very much presenting it the best face forward, because when this movie was made, this, this policy was still going on. This is not like a movie... Um, recounting events that happened decades ago. This is not 
this is a movie set in what was pretty much the present day. Yes, yes. So, it, it was even, like, specifically dated quite a few times in the movie as, like, you know, then, you know, Lost sent a letter to his wife dated March 3rd, 1922, saying, honey, I have not heard from you. I suppose that we are no longer a couple, question mark, sadness. <laughs> and, it, like, the, the dates were mentioned quite a bit throughout the two hours. <laughs> so the, the filmmaker has this tension of having to reference all the big stuff that happened. You've got to show people hungry. You've got to show people in chaos and being organized because that happened. And everyone knows that happened. But at the same time, because, well, you're working for the communists, uh, you've got to do it with the best face forward. You've got to do it where... It's only bad guys who are going hungry and stealing white bread and sugar and stuff like that. All the true people, well, they're having to tug at their belts, but they're getting by. You have to show that, yes, there is confusion um, and inefficiency with the rail yard, but my God, my train's an hour late. That's the worst thing. Stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. It was... Yep, all of that was definitely, definitely in there, <laughs> represented well. So, um, so the soldier, mm -hmm. um, Gusev, he runs into Loss, mm -hmm. and he's like, hey man, I'm, I got more fight left in me, what do you got? He goes, well, I've got a spaceship to Mars, and we're leaving tomorrow. So he's going to leave his brand new bride alone and sad. And she's got these giant puppy dog eyes. And, um, like, the entire movie. And, um, so, let's see. Meanwhile, the the sleuth, Kravitzov, mm -hmm. the, the comic relief, he's been, like, bumblingly trying to catch this murderer who, who murdered um, 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 Natasha. And he's, like, he, he got a glove, and he got a boot, and then he got... He got lost, but he was in disguise, and so he, like, bumblingly stumbles into the spaceship, um, following a lead. Meanwhile, Masha, she she knows that, that her brand new husband is going to leave in the morning, so she grabs all his clothes and, like, locks him in the house on the day of a celebration of the revolution while there's a parade in the streets. I don't know. They sh they showed a lot of footage of that, so I assume that that was very very important reference point. So that leaves Gusev to break out of his own house wearing Masha's clothes, which I guess is funny. I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> what the hell? Yes, he's got a gigantic dress on, and a huge gigantic babushka, and huge gigantic boots, and um. And so that leaves those three men in the spaceship going to Mars. And Alita gets to witness all of this. Do you want to pick it up here? Uh, this may have been where I started jumping around a bit. I got, you, could, you could not have paid me to watch this movie all the way through with not jumping forward a bit. Well, the the bad leader of Mars is like, oh, there's a missile from Earth. Kill them all. Right. And then and, uh, oh, yeah. I do remember this bit in that the chief astronomer or something uh, is sort of seduced by Alita and, and shows her the plans first of where they're going to land. And that's when 
her maid um, takes the opportunity with Alita's constant urging to stab him in the back and push him over a cliff of some sort. Yeah. She, yeah, she was like, everyone gets all murdery <laughs> at the end of the movie. Everyone gets all kind of murdery. And I, all the time it was like, why, what, why'd you do that, dude? Like, why'd you do that? <laughs> and then, like, the murders get less and less crime of passion. And you're like, really? What the hell? <laughs> so, I don't know. Okay. And, um... Then, of course, she sends her maidservant to go get the, the humans, the exciting kissy humans. <laughs> the ones that kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those are the ones that kiss. Because um... <laughs> there's a kiss coming up, man. <laughs> so the maidservant brings back the three guys. Up, oh, correction, two guys. Because Kravitzoff goes off to find whoever looks most military. And he's like, guys, you're in the military, right? You've got to arrest this man because he's guilty, which lets the the bad guy army know that that these are the earthlings have not been killed as you know was commanded. Right. So Lost is like taken to um to Alita, and they have this moment. Oh my gosh, this moment with unibrows. Alita has the unibrow, <laughs> and um crazy makeup, and Lost has deep black makeup, but their eyes are really big, and they have a moment. It was tense. And then they kiss! And she, like, faints in, like, the most awkward carrying to the bed ever. <laughs> ever. I I can't remember a more melodramatic and painfully awkward kiss, faint, and carry off to the bed. Um, Gustav goes off with the maidservant, and they flirt or something. Um... Meanwhile, the bad guys are all like, oh my gosh, we have to kill someone. And do you recognize this necklace? The maidservant's necklace was found on the body of the astronomer that they had to kill for just some reason. And uh, so they're going to kill her. But but Gusev is like, well, we can't let that happen. And so he like stops it. And he lights a crack pipe that is, like, apparently a bomb and throws it. Bam! Freedom of speech put an end to thousands of years of slavery on Mars. What the hell? Like, how did that turn into that? Diplomatic Ooh. translation. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. Comrades free! Like, I have been where you are! And he's talking to the shirtless guys in chains. And so they light firecrackers that spell October 25th, 1917. No. Nope. you see a no? no, I think that was him, Gustav, describing the revolution. Was to, that what that was? Yeah, that, that confused me, too. That was him describing the revolution, and they decided at that point, instead of just, you know, having him relay the words, they wanted to get it all artsy and metaphorical, which is why you had the human uh, oh. pounding a sword into a plowshare, into a sickle, and then putting a hammer over it. Okay, because I was very... Con anyway, it was like that, a rousing speech. That was the point of that? Yes. A, a rousing comrades. That was presented initially to us, but yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so... Listeners, aren't you glad you have us so that you can know what's going on when you probably don't watch Alita, Queen of Mars? Well, yes. Aren't you glad? This is yeah. a constant a source of anxiety for all humans that they have not watched this movie. Yeah, okay. So the army of revolutionists, 
who are now freed by a crack pipe bomb <laughs> aimed at someone i don't know just like general the smoke goes over the camera and suddenly revolution and um so the army of revolutionists fight off the evil martian robot looking guys who may or may not be guys or robots we don't know and immediately win maybe question mark and immediately disarm and then there's like another call to action which i was also confused about and alita volunteers to to rule the soviets which is like a total backwards like power to the people but we still need a leader type thing i don't know well i mean that that fits in you can't trust the upper classes i mean it's a very class warfare message if one of the upper classes is on your side they're not really on your side they're just trying to sneak around so they can seize power again once the dust clears you can't trust this is a very russian theme well it's a very world theme totally we get that but the part that confused me just confused the heck out of me is elita like claims loss because he's such a good kisser and she's going to rule the martians and he's going to like be with her because they be, love each other because be her kiss. royal kisser yes yes <laughs> yes exactly the royal kisser um intermittently alita is transformed into um Natasha. Natasha, yes, Natasha. His wife, out of like sheer guilt in his mind, they are transformed a lot. And then he freaking kills Alita, just stabs her in the back. Mm-hmm. And then gesticulates with his hands on his face. And I'm like, the hell? But it doesn't matter because we're back on Earth. Should I give it away? Sure. It was all a freaking dream. Oh, God. Yeah. Ah! And so consumed with guilt, he decides to go back to the scene of crime to be with his dead wife. But it turns out, whoops, he missed. She ain't dead. <laughs> he missed her. All those all those smoking gunshots and her falling down. And he freaking missed. And so Lost confides fantasies of killing his wife to Gusev and Masha, who are getting on a train to go to the Far East. <laughs> and so Masha and, and Gusev are like, oh my gosh, this guy's a freaking loony we should follow him back to his house and see if he kills his wife because he's having fantasies about doing that and so him and what the heck him and his wife share this tender hug where he says i'm so glad i missed you when i shot you those many times (laughs) sorry and she's like that's okay honey do you trust me now and he's like yeah i do okay (laughs) yeah see what the hell (laughs) People, people don't seem to realize, I think, just how far we've come in terms of, I don't know, social relations in the last <laughs> hundred years. Because, let me just say this, the way the people act in this film is stark raving mad. It, these is not the actions of well-adjusted individuals. Yeah, they're Russian, okay, but still, that's just, no. I don't think we've come very far at all, actually. (laughs) I think we're still there. (laughs) It's just weirder in a silent movie format when you were just, like, supremely pissed off that it was all a dream, and suddenly we have to put all these pieces back together, and, uh, yep. So, at this point, uh, Ehrlich uh, just deuce et diaboli uh god no i said 
Diably Ex Machina, so I mean, Devil Sheen, uh, gets arrested for the murder of the guy who was not murdered. Also, yeah, we wasn't murdered, right? right. Not murdered at all. Okay, and he's arrested. Uh, we have no reason to think about the um and actually he was even arrested i mean yeah no. they said you are under arrest but they never leave the apartment the scene no. so they could have just said whoops at the end of that and it would have been the same thing we don't know what <laughs> happened there <laughs> and that my friends is the end of the freaking movie no not quite yet not quite yet there's still, no go ahead there's go still ahead. the most important scene oh so, yes Loss, also, what the hell? Yeah, Loss and Natasha are getting all cuddly together, and then he rips up his drawings for a spaceship and throws in the fire. And she goes, "Why'd you do that?" And she goes, "We enough of daydreaming. We have different work to do." And that's the end of the movie. I, so yeah. let let's just um, let's just analyze the messages of this film. Message one: Women are either I'll, I'll I'll be polite and say kiss hungry shrews who should not be trusted or are there to receive the physical and emotional violence of men. That is what they're there for. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yep. 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 Number two, it's foolish to dream of outer space. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Number three, you shouldn't be going off and doing your own wild crazy stuff. You should concentrate on the problems at hand as given to you by your bosses. That's mainly it. I mean, it, it, it's it, the entire thing is saying going to Mars is a crazy daydream, probably brought on by guilt. And we shouldn't <laughs> try to get to Mars. We should just try to fix things on Earth. That's the main message of this film, which is why I am again it. <laughs> <I'm>, I <did> not <laughs> like this film. I am opposed to it philosophically, not Aesthetically, I quite I quite like the constructivist sets, but philosophically, no, this ain't my film. This is a bad film, and I don't no. think that isn't poorly constructed. Although it is that in many cases, it is poorly constructed indeed. Yes. Um. Yeah. It was. Or, or like, why go to Mars? It's no better there. Is that maybe that's a an, thing? That's, well. See, there's a, sort of a competing theme running through this that really gets developed more in the later 20th century in Russia. there I read an article recently about how space travel, space exploration, was one of the major religions in Soviet Russia. The amount of iconography and propaganda and popular culture that was devoted to Russians being all Russian out in outer space is tremendous. I mean, at least equal to the science fiction of America with Star Trek and all that, if not more so. They had a lot of it. There were quite Wait, a few. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! I was, so here's my question: Is the grass ever greener on the other side? Because throughout this whole movie, there's like the haves and the have-nots, mm -hmm. and but the grass is never really greener on the other side. And then he dreams of Mars. Maybe it will be greener over there. And it turns out, oh no! Like centuries of slavery and people stabbing each other in the back all up and and the grass isn't greener over there, so I might as well go back home, because it turns out, you know, the grass is just pretty much brown. Yes, everywhere. there is that, but there's also the thing of the only reason to go to outer space is to find more oppressed people so that you can help them rebel. It's a, it's <laughs> okay. a evangelical mission. 
Oh, good. Well, that's thoughtful. You go to space in order to help uh, the Martians rebel against their Martian capitalist overlords. That's why you go to space. All right. Breaking the status quo in space. <laughs> that is badass. Go in there and start a civil war with, like, no ties to where you are. No, 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 no. You see, we're all one. We are all workers. We are all one in a brotherhood of working class people against evil capitalism, wherever it may be. You and me, comrade. You and yes. Green Torovich. We are together, and together we shall fight the oppressors. All right. Yes. <laughs> the majority, we are. Yes. We are all Bolsheviks. So... So, since it was all a dream, this movie is no longer a sci-fi. And right. I that. Not a sci-fi. Russia's first sci-fi movie ever. Not a sci-fi. Based on a novel by Tolstoy. Not, not that Tolstoy. Up. Another Tolstoy. No, another Tolstoy. Um, I wonder how fat the novel is. That crossed my mind. It's like, you know, as the movie goes on and on and on and on. I have some Russian books in my bookshelf here. And I, I got to be honest with you, haven't read most of them, but I've been meaning to. And they're there. And each one is incredibly thick. So I'm thinking this one was a big damn novel by Tolstoy. Here's a part that may surprise you. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. We gotta yeah. fix that, man. Do you think that's representative of <laughs> how people would feel about this movie? Yes, but uh, wait a second. Okay, the critic score is 100% out of yes. five critics. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking some people need to go on there, yeah. watch the film, and then fix that, because I don't think that's representative. Well, uh, the audience score is only 57%, and that's out of 1,700 user ratings. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a definite dichotomy. I mean, mm -hmm. this the only people reviewing this movie are not your average, I guess, uh, movie reviewers. This is not being reviewed by the Today Show or by the Washington Post or anything like that. This is being reviewed by Snooty Obscure Film Monthly. Well, it's our chance to 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 help bring some perspective, some fresh perspective to this. How many dick cancer guns do you give this movie i give this the lowest amount possible the only good thing about this movie is revives fodder for uh putting in as segments in a retro sci-fi music video or by <laughs> having someone record rude dialogue when the guys are speaking on screen those are the only possible <laughs> positives to get out of this movie uh, okay. If you wanted to decorate your house like Mars, there are worse suggestions to go with with this. If you want to decorate a house like this, I'm behind that. That's it, though. That's it. Nothing else. All right. Zero cancer dick guns for you. Yes. All right. I'm going to give it two dick okay. cancer guns, actually, which is, oh, I don't know, like good for me i think yes it is like you're really this more than gay video drone oh wait okay 1.5 can okay. i do that yeah all right Actually, 1.5 i don't quite remember what you gave video drone i'm pretty sure it was less than two it upset me it <laughs> upset me this one i'm okay reasons to watch this movie a terrifying soulless ghost woman in black and white people with light blue eyes 
show like no irises at all Mm -hmm. and it's like terrifying and pretty awesome and i was entranced by um natasha's eyes (laughs) because it was all black and white and stuff um reason another reason to watch it is to watch two people flirt over a beat like literally flirting over a beat wasn't that great um his blending in disguise where he like dresses up in these like black round spectacles and like the 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 foolish cop like he he's like oh, i'm gonna blend in and not be seen as a cop and he wears this like, stupid hat yeah, he it's, wasn't like, seen awesome. as a cop i mean <laughs> an escaped mental patient from the uh fashion uh asylum maybe but not a cop yep 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 on that best unveiling of a disguise ever oh my gosh did he flourish it was like <laughs> yes you ripped that beard off whoa dun 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 there was no music there but you didn't need it the acting was so good you heard the dun 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 i murdered her actually that that's something else uh, uh, another pet peeve of mine not pet peeve i suppose but Valerie, the week of week and a week of wonders, kind of ruined si- silent films for me. Oh, because it was the, so amazing. Well, that a and the the score was so. Oh, good. it was amazing. This, all the the score was boring. It was just yeah, it was like a piano, and it had this like whatever 1920 version of elevator music might have been. I think, right, because it just kind of blended and blended and blended until you got to the Martian Revolution where they ripped their chains off and stuff, where it sounded like um, a piano doing a graduation march, right? (laughs) And then it was like, so, yeah, the music was very, very, very period piece and extraordinarily boring. Mm. Like, this is an opportunity for some composers out there to really bring some life to this movie. Um. But yeah, the reason for the poor marking is like, oh my gosh, is it boring? Tons of intrigue you don't care about and like just tedium, just so much tedium. Oh my gosh. So yes, but it did prompt me to learn a couple things about Russian history that I might not have gotten to otherwise. (laughs) You know, like I learned about stuff in sixth grade, but suddenly I'm like, calling my memory for like wait a minute what did the Menshevik stand for and uh, you know having to look stuff up so yes I don't know I I wouldn't recommend Alita Queen of Mars unless somebody redid it with a score Mm. an amazing score either seriously reworked the plot or did it as a 30 minute short yeah that would be an amazing 30 minute it would be confusing and still frustrating because (laughs) You can't escape the fact that it was all a freaking dream hmm. while he waits for a train that is slightly late. I I know slightly more about this period only because, as some people may know, I'm an anarchist. And uh, during that civil war, one of the major factors was the uh, free U- Ukraine um, anarchists under Nestor Menko. So I do know something about Zary because I know something about him. Uh, and just seeing this gets my angers up the blood as they say on the simpsons because (laughs) i do not like russia at this time period any time period but not definitely not this one i didn't see see the problem with movies from 1929 or 
I think is when it was released in America. So I guess 1922 is when it was made in Russia, maybe. <laughs> but like the problem with that is you don't get to read the um, the director's blog and why he <laughs> did the things that he did. I would have been interested to see like, okay, why did you make, you know, them stand for that? Because he would have had maybe a different viewpoint of of social unrest and civil unrest and what mm-hmm. was considered, you know, good or bad that we all get that that we don't have in hindsight in the United States, you know, like yeah, no, his 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 viewpoint of it, I was unable to ascertain from this movie because I was pretty confused by stuff. A director's commentary, while impossible, would have been very interesting on this. Very helpful, yes. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's, that, my friends, is Alita, Queen of Mars. Yep. And hopefully, uh, next week, and not three months from now, we'll have another movie. Uh, Yay! We're thinking Idiots and Angels, right? That's what we're thinking? Yes, we are. Okay. Another silent movie. Oh my gosh, two in a row. Yes, but this one with some color, at least. Uh, (laughs) There's that. So, until then, I've been John Robinson. And I'm Catalan Justice. And stay weird, and if you have to stay Russian, drink some vodka while you're doing so. Good night, people.